Hi, thanks for joining us to listen to another message from Rumley Chapel in Cardiff, UK. If you'd like to know more about the chapel, then visit us online at rumleychapel.org or look us up on social media. Enjoy the message. Great. Um, so, yeah, it was really great to start. And honestly, I haven't talked to Mike, but when Mike started with Psalm 51, I thought, ah, oh, this is great. I think we're on the same wavelength. Um, because I want to talk about the law of life to you this morning. Um, you know that we're surrounded by so many rules and regulations at the moment. Can you keep up with it? As I know I can't. We've got family who live in Bristol and all through the pandemic, we've all had separate rules. We're never quite sure what we're allowed to do and what we're not allowed to do. Uh, at one point, we weren't even allowed to cross the Seven Bridge to even meet with them, which is bizarre. Could you ever imagine, in my long lifetime, being banned from leaving your own hometown and traveling? Um, so it started to feel a little bit like the Old Testament. Um, and as we know, even the New Testament was written by people who lived in Old Testament times, and they had so many rules and regulations around them that I never really quite understood what it must have been like. But I think we're getting the picture now, aren't we? That it's, it's quite similar in some ways. But it was very interesting to me that Mike started off reading Psalm 51 and talking about David. Can you imagine? He said, he almost glossed over it now. Oh, David was a murderer and an adulterer. <laughs> but he's held up as the one person who was close to God's heart. That is scandalous, isn't it? Somebody um, of that that was capable of doing such bad things was still close to God's heart. And I think David is in the Bible to show us that nobody is outside of the scope of God's forgiveness and God's grace. And there's something of that I want to try and communicate to you today. And I want to start off by reading a famous passage of Scripture written by Paul to the Roman Christians who were probably groups of Christians uh, meeting in homes and various places in the vicinity of Rome itself. So I'm going to read Romans 8, verses 1 to 3. Therefore, there is now no condemnation at all for those who are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation means there's no guilty sentence. There's no condemnation. Isn't that amazing, isn't it? We've read that, some of us, many, many times. But we have to let it sink in, don't we? There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you and me free from the law of sin and death. No condemnation. The law of the spirit of life has set you and me free from the law of sin and death. That's where, if we believe in Jesus, that's one of the most important things we need to grasp. That we have been set free. We ha- there is no guilty sentence. Whatever you're carrying around with you today, if you are in Christ Jesus, there's no guilty sentence on you. There may be consequences. My grandchildren seem to have learnt this word, consequences, um, and, you know, because they talk about it a lot. So that must mean their parents have said to them, there will be consequences if you do this or you do that. But we'll come on to that in a moment. For what the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh, God did. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and as an offering for sin, he condemned it in the flesh. What the law could not do, God did. What all your struggles, what you may feel or I may feel, I cannot get through, I can't get beyond, God has done. 
and, as I say, we'll expand on that a little bit. And I'm also glad that we sang that song, It's Your Breath in Our Lungs, and I'll come on to that in a moment, because God has given us that breath to speak out what we believe. So maybe you could just say that with me if you feel able to do it. There is no con- after, when I, I'm going to say there is no condemnation. So just repeat after me. There is no condemnation. There's no condemnation for us today. But what do you do when... Well, let me just read another scripture, really. Because the other thing uh, Mike said at the beginning was that there are a lot of us that are struggling. So kind of how do we kind of match this that we have been released and set free from the law of sin and death, and yet we are struggling? And I won't ask for a show of hands, but I wonder how many of you have been struggling over the last couple of years, you know, in some way or another. You know, oh, I can feel the hands going up even though you don't want to put them up. Um, yeah, I'm sure you have been. It could be, it could be the, the kind of strangeness of the world that we've been living in for the last couple of years. We're meant to be together, aren't we? And yet this pandemic has split us all up and separated us. Um, it could be that you've been going through sickness or you've got family members. You may even have lost someone during this period, this COVID period. It may be that you've been struggling with finances or, or debt. Or it may be that you've been struggling, that you've not been living the way you want to live. All of these things uh, can cause us to struggle. But Paul also said this in Ephesians 6 verse 11. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Well, give me a break. <laughs> if it's hard enough for me to struggle against sickness and, and death and things, I'm actually, oh, it's not about that. You're struggling against the world forces of darkness, the whole. So, so what chance really have we got? You know, we, we can't, it is a bit like the, um, it's a bit like the pandemic, isn't it? This hidden virus that we can't see, that we never know when it's going to strike if we take our masks off or whatever and break some rules or whatever, we never know when it's going to strike, that we can't see it. And we can't see the spiritual forces of darkness. Who are we going to call? Ghostbusters? You know, um, what are we going to do to, uh, uh, you know, the Americans, uh, you know, the heavy artillery, a bit like the Russians, aren't they? And I think at the beginning, they thought they could destroy the pandemic with, uh, with heavy artillery. Let's nuke them. Let's nuke this pandemic. You know, let's stand up to it. We're Americans. It can't get us. And the next thing we find, it did. It did get us. What are we going to do? Well, interestingly enough, um, although you, we may say, well, the vaccine has been solving the problem for us, actually what the vaccine does is it helps our own bodies prevent these, this virus taking a foothold uh, in our lives. So it's actually helping us do something from the inside and that's really what I want to emphasize today. It's what happens inside us that I think that, that will make the difference. Um, and so, in terms of putting on this full armor, that's a whole talk in itself. In fact, there's about seven talks in putting on the armor of God. What I want to do this morning, and maybe you know, we'll develop that a little bit, little bit more tonight if we've got time, is not so much to talk about what the armor of God does, but what it is. 
so that we can get an idea and grasp, even if we already know what the armor of God is in our lives and how it protects us. You might think then, oh, okay, it's all very well reading these words, but actually we're doomed, aren't we? You know, something's going to get us. It's gonna, if it's not going to be the virus, or it's not going to be illness, or debt, or some kind of problem, it's going to be my own failure. And I don't know if you're, if you're like me, but I, I, from time to time I think, I, I'm just not up to this, this life. And I've been around for quite a few years, almost as long as Mike Carr, probably maybe a bit longer. But, <laughs> um, and I still haven't cracked it. I know Mike might have done, but I still haven't cracked this problem of how to live, you know, properly in some ways. So what chance have we got? Well, let me say that even this great teacher that I'm reading from, Paul, he didn't get it either. This is what Paul said about himself. This is Romans 7. I'm reading verses 14 to 16 and verses 22 to 25 in the NLT version. The tr so the trouble is not with the law, for it's spiritual and it's good. The trouble is with me, for I'm all too human, a slave to sin. I don't really understand myself, for I want to do, I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. But if I know that what I'm doing is wrong, this shows that I agree that the law is good. So what he's saying is that I don't do the right thing because the law has come to me um, and saying, this is the way you should live, but I don't live like that. Now, this is Paul speaking. This is not Dave Clegg speaking, or you or me. This is somebody who is the great champion of the Christian faith, the one who taught us all about what church is all about and how to live. This is what he said. Then he goes on to say this. I love God's law with all my heart, but there's another power within me that is in, at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to, to the sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ, my Lord. That was Paul's secret. Not that he was particularly bad. Now, this was a guy that was taught as a small child how to follow every item of the law that was in the Old Testament, which are even more stricter than the COVID rules, believe it or not. Even stricter than that. This guy was taught how to do it, but he still couldn't do it. He particularly high highlighted jealousy. He couldn't help being jealous of other people and what they had. Maybe that's what, why he started off persecuting Christians, because he saw how much full of life they were, how they loved one another, um, how they loved God, and how they were able to, to do the right thing without even knowing that it was the right or wrong thing. And he got jealous of that, and he hated it, and he found that it was coming up inside of him. So that was Paul's problem. I don't know what yours is. Yeah, you know, and I have, all, have my struggles as well. Well, whatever it is, you know, it's too much for us, isn't it? It's too much for us. And really, that's at the heart of the Christian message. That's why David was highlighted, because he came to the point of knowing, I can't do this. I'm the king. I've been chosen by God. I've been anointed by God, but I'm still not able to do the right thing. And he needed someone to point that out to him. So in a sense, we're doomed. I, um, Jordan, he's probably gone to teach the kids now. Uh, we go into Eastern High School um, to, to help with the chaplaincy once a, a week, and it's a fantastic experience. There were some lovely, brilliant kids in there. But they realized early on that having all these yellow, don't do this, don't do that signs, go this way, go that way, wear masks, um, 
sit low, keep two meters up, just would not work for these children because they are not from a background of understanding how to follow rules. In fact, I remember speaking to one young man who used to come here at Rumney Chapel. Whenever he saw a window, he thought, that's something to break. That's something I can throw a stone at. So almost the rules are there to be broken. When I was a kid, things were a lot simpler. You had, to, you had this sign, trespassers will be prosecuted. If you go there, you'll be in trouble. So what did you want to do? You wanted to go there, didn't you? Everything that you were told not to do, uh, you wanted to do. Um, so Paul couldn't, uh, couldn't succeed. The kids at Eastern High School, so they realized they had to start simplifying the rules. So when they started, um, and the school was in a difficult place, they decided the main thing that we've got to do, maybe the only thing we've got to do, is, is make sure they come to school. Everything else is secondary. Let's get them here, and let's keep them here, um, because it's a safe place. Forget the rest. And so they kept it simple. And in a sense, that was the secret of the success there. So some, some way or other, we've got to simplify it and understand, oh, well, we might be feeling all of this is coming on me, and even if Paul couldn't do it, and in any case, I can't even see the enemy because he's spiritual, what on earth am I going to do? And what is this armor that uh, God is asking me to put on? Now, we know there are consequences for doing wrong. For example, if you have a, have a garden party in your house when you're... Uh, when you're locked down and uh, you've invited a few friends. I'm sure none of you have ever done anything like that. But even our prime minister obviously can't follow the rules. Um, so we're all in difficulty, aren't we? Paul couldn't do it. Boris couldn't do it. We can't do it. What on earth are we going to do? We know that there's consequences. But the wonderful thing is, is that you think, if I do this, this is what will happen. If I break the law, the law will get me, unless I can you know, circumvent the law in some way or another. So what, what, happened, what did God do? Well, God got in first. He's already got in with the, to sort the consequences out because while we were yet sinners, it says that Jesus died for us. Now, you, you, my wife is Gail, and uh, I, I, at times she scares me. She, I, her, and her, her brothers particularly, her youngest brother even more so. Um, Gail's brothers were known as the toughest boys in Penarth. They were the hardest kids. And if you saw um, John, who is Gail's youngest brother, you'd think, well, he doesn't look that, you know, he's quite slight, he's quite small. But John had a strategy for winning fights, and that was to get the first punch in before anyone knew what was coming. He got his retaliation in before anyone even thought that they would pick a fight with him. He'd look at these kids and say, they're bigger than me, so I'm going to floor them before they even have a chance of thinking they're going to have a fight with me. And so John scares me. Gail scares me even more, but don't tell her I said that. I hope she's not watching uh, this morning. Um, John would always get, that was his strategy. And actually, that's what God has done. He's got the first blow in uh, with the enemy who wants to bring us down, destroy us, and make life difficult for us. Because what, um, what the law couldn't do, God did. So this doesn't say what the law uh, is going to do or what, you, what mistakes you're going to make tomorrow. God will have an answer for it. What you are going to do tomorrow, even if you make a mistake or go wrong or things happen in your life, God has already done it. God has already brought the answer in. He knows how serious and how difficult the, uh, the fight that we're in is because he did not make a very simple solution. He sent Jesus to die on the cross to take sin in our place to take all the punishment, all the consequences 
2,000 years ago. So whenever you feel you're getting in difficulty, remember this. God has got the first blow in. He's got the first punch in. He's already destroyed the power of sin on the cross. And this is what we have to get hold of as believers. It's not about, we do have this struggle. And the struggle is, yes, against sin, against difficulties, against the things that happen to us. But often the struggle is to believe that could, has God really solved my problem? Has he really sorted this out for me? Has he really got the first blow in? Does he really know what I'm like? Yes, he does know what you're like. And if he could redeem David, and if he could take it right the way to the cross, then he knows how serious it is. What the law could not do, God did. While we were yet sinners, Paul also said, Christ died for us. These are basic Bible verses that you should have all around your house. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Before we even knew about sin, Christ died for you and me. He knew the price, God knew the price of forgiveness. And that price was the blood of Jesus. So when we take communion, it's a wonderful thing that we do because we're taking into ourselves that forgiveness. We're taking into ourselves that as the bread, that sustenance, the bread of life that will keep us strong and keep us, keep us personal, keep it personal for us. So the consequence is there is no condemnation. That is the consequence. But there is a but for those who are in Christ Jesus. Now, no condemnation means there's no guilty sentence because he has taken the punishment for you and for me. Just let that sink in a moment. Whatever it is that you've done, whatever it is that you're feeling guilty about, that is not a Christian thing to do, feeling guilty. I think some people think it is. They think, oh, these Christians, they feel guilty about everything. You know, they're very pious. And, uh, but actually, it's not a very Christian thing to do because the Bible says that Jesus has taken that guilt and he's taken that punishment for us. There's no condemnation because he's taken the punishment. For those who are in, let's, let's, let's just stay with that little word in. You know, what does it mean to be in something? It means to be contained in something. Um, I actually looked, at, looked up the, in the Bible dictionary, what does in means? And it says a fixed position of rest inside something that has boundaries. So it's like we're in this kind of protected place. That's where you are today. Um, and, and the full armor of God, which, as I said, we haven't got time to go into this morning, is that protection that's around you. Has anyone heard of Iron Man? Iron Man, this amazing kind of, kind of guy with all this iron armor that flies all over the place. Um, it's a bit like that you and I are Iron Men. You know, we can fly all around the place. We're protected. But I looked up a little bit about the actor who plays the part of Iron Man in the Marvel movies, Robert Downey Jr. And he's actually not such an Iron Man. Um, he has struggled all his life with drug addiction, alcoholism. He was brought up in a family that had drug addiction. And, and he know, knew that he needed outside help. Now, he ne not necessarily sought the, the kind of help that we believe in, in many ways. Um, but this Iron Man person inside is very weak. Now, I'm not talking, I'm not going to, I don't want you to go away thinking, Dave spoke about Iron Man <laughs> this morning. But it's an illustration of where we are. We are these weak people inside something far stronger than ourselves where we can rest. 
And this morning, you and I can rest in the knowledge that Jesus has died for us on the cross and that whatever we're going through now, if we confess our sins to him, he's faithful to forgive us whatever it is that we've done. Now, there may be consequences. You know, like uh, with Zacchaeus, who was up the tree, and Jesus went to his house for tea. Um, and Jesus never said anything to him, but Zacchaeus knew he had to pay back um, a lot of the, the money that he'd stolen from other people. Now, Jesus didn't, go, didn't tell him that. Jesus came into a relationship with him, and something inside him knew, I have to do something about this. And it may be that you've got to do something about uh, something that's gone wrong in your life. You might need to talk to someone. You, you might need to give that money back or, or say something to somebody. I don't know what it is. Um, that God can show you what that is. But the most important thing I want to communicate to you today is that in Christ Jesus, there's no condemnation. There's no guilty sentence um, because in him we are able to rest and have protection for ourselves. Psalm 46 says this, be still and know that I am God. Uh, literally, that means let go. And if you know these things we have on our mugs, um, stay calm and know that I am God. We can relax. We can let go because of who God is. But how do we make this victory ours? We've seen that there is a law at work inside, in us that we cannot defeat. And if Paul couldn't do it, David couldn't do it, well, we can't do it. But we know that God did it. God destroyed the power of sin and death on the cross. And that has had an effect on us in that there's no condemnation for us. So even though we're doomed in many ways, um, if we keep struggling and we keep trying, we know that God has done something. We know that what God did was send Jesus to pay the price for us. We know that he's told us that if we remain in him, we're in a protected place. We're in a safe space. If you make a decision to be in Christ Jesus, with his boundaries around you, you're in a safe place. But how do we make this victory ours? as I come towards the end of, of my talk this morning. We have to decide that we want to live differently. We have to decide that the way we're living or the way we're thinking or the situation that we're in needs to change. And that's where it starts. That word is about repentance. And it's about having a, starting to think differently. Instead of thinking guilt, instead of thinking defeat, instead of thinking failure, we start to think, I'm in Christ. I'm a new create, creation. I'm a son. I'm a daughter of Jesus, uh, of, of God. Jesus is like my elder brother. I'm saved. I'm redeemed. We start to think differently. And we start to think, well, I need to see a change happen in my life. So what do we do? We start a, a six-point program, you know, like the alcoholics do. I think it's six or seven. I don't know how many steps it is. But we start a program. Well, actually, yes, that's good. But there's a step that we can take before we do that. The first thing that we can do is make a confession of faith. We start to speak out. And I, I, as I said at the beginning, I, I'm so glad we sang that song because that song has been on my heart. And I, if I'd have had a chat, I would say, oh, could we sing this song this morning? And they sang it. It's your breath in my lungs. Um, and it's you, Lord, that I'm looking to. We decide to make a confession of faith. This is what Paul also said in Romans chapter 10. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, 
you will be saved. Um, now, I am here today by the grace of God because for two months, I've not been able to speak at all, hardly at all. As, I got, um, as a consequence of a virus, I completely lost my voice. In fact, this is the first public talk I've given um, in the last couple of months because I literally have not been able to speak. I've had no voice. Um, I uh, eventually went to see a specialist in the Heath Hospital, and he said that this is probably, uh, we think, Gail and me think, that we had the pandemic back in January 2020 because we had all the symptoms of, uh, of loss of taste. Um, we couldn't eat for weeks, all that kind of thing. Um, I, I was coughing as well for, for weeks on end. But um, anyway, he thinks that due to a virus, one of my vocal cords was damaged. Um, and he, it, this is a lovely procedure. He puts a camera up your nose, goes to the back of your throat. But actually, he said, this won't be as painful as sticking these uh, lateral flow test things up your nose and in your throat. And he was right, actually. They were very good and very gentle about it. And he said, I want you to start to speak. And as I started to speak, he said, um, OK, I can see that your left vocal cord isn't quite working properly. So um, he said, I want you to do, uh, 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 yeah. He said, I think I know what it is. He said, I think you've got nerve damage. And he said, what it is, is he said, the, the nerve to the right vocal cord, because they're like two muscles that vibrate together. And the left one wasn't quite getting to the right one. So that's why I couldn't talk. He said, the right one comes straight away from your brain and comes to your, uh, into your throat. But the left one hitches a ride on another nerve, goes all the way down past your heart, round, and back up to your throat. Now, how many of you knew that? Well, I certainly didn't know that. But I thought, this is a great illustration of um, this confession of faith. Because um, we, have to, we make a decision that we're going to make a confession with our mouths. Unfortunately, I, I was making decisions to speak, but it wasn't quite get, I wasn't able to, to get the word out. But what, what happens is my brain decides that I'm going to say something. This, this nerve then takes the message all the way down past my heart and then into my uh, mouth. And then I start to breathe out, which is the breath in my lungs, and out comes words, uh, which is amazing, isn't it? And I thought, this is a great illustration. I thought I'll share this this morning because this is a little bit like what God, we make a decision that we're going to make a confession that I believe that Jesus has got the answer for all my problems. And I make a decision, I'm going to speak it out. And, and then it goes on to say, and if you believe in your heart, so I'm making this decision in my brain, believe in my heart, it's coming all the way, the decision coming all around my heart. So it's one thing to say, I'm going to say this. It's, uh, it's not just about reading something out, it's saying, I'm making a decision, I'm not only just going to say that there's no condemnation for me, for example, I'm going to believe this in my heart. So the... the the sound is going to go from my brain all the way around my heart, and then it's, I'm going to speak it out. I'm going, to, I'm going to breathe out. So it's the breath in my lungs. So it's actually more than just me deciding the breath comes out. Now, the breath to me speaks of the Holy Spirit that comes into my life and helps me when I speak out. Now, there isn't really time for me to go into this, but Dean talked earlier about praying. If we make a decision that we are going to believe what God says, we, we say, I'm going to speak it out. I'm going to believe it in my heart. I'm going to take God's breath in my lungs, and the words are going to come out. 
So when you all said that earlier, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Maybe you could go home and practice it. Think, do I believe that? I'm going to make a decision. I'm going to believe that. And as I believe that, I'm going to, make the, I'm going to speak that out. And as I speak that out, I'm going to believe that at the same time, the breath is going to come into my lungs, which is the Holy Spirit from God, and it's going to enable that confession to become real in my life, and things are going to change. And I'm telling you this morning, if you make that confession in your life, things will change. Things will change, and things will start to make a differently. And that's called praying. When we start to confess to God, and we ask him to change things, we start to make confession. Now, just very quickly, Romans 8, the second half of verse 26 says, The Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. Now, intercedes literally means somebody goes to meet with us on our behalf. So this is making prayer really easy. This is saying that I don't know how to pray. All I'm going to do is groan. Oh, oh, what a terrible situation I'm in. And if we are believers, we believe that God takes those groans through Jesus, goes and meets with God and says, my, my servant David or my servant Dean or my servant Mike or whoever you are is in trouble at the moment and they're groaning. I want you to listen to them and I want you to hear those prayers. In fact, the word says we, even sometimes the words can't come out. So for two months, nothing came out when I wanted to speak. So it talks about wordless groans. So even if you can't speak, you can start to say, oh, oh, I need you. And if we're believers, that's going to make a difference. So anyway, I could go on, <laughs> but I guess time is up. So I'm just going to summarize and say, are you struggling this morning? Have we been struggling? We need to recognize that we cannot succeed on our own. You can't do it. Even the best of us can't do it. We have to accept that the victory of Jesus is in us. It's him, and it's in him that we make the difference because he has taken the consequence of not only the things that we've done, but also the things that we will do that aren't in accordance with his law and his righteous standards. So we make a confession of faith that we believe that this is what Jesus has done for you and me. And we start to trust him. And then we receive the Holy Spirit into our lives. And as we begin to speak out, we believe that God is going to give us the power and enable us to overcome those things that we find so difficult. And then we're starting to pray. And we're praying in the Spirit. We can pray in different ways, but this is called praying in the Spirit. Basically, I'm groaning, and God is taking those groans to our Heavenly Father, and He's hearing them and answering them. So, um, that's about all I think I'll share tonight. If there's a bit more time tonight, I might share a little bit about spirit, fighting spiritual battles, because I think we are in one at the moment. Um, but for now, um, I'm going to leave it there. Okay, <laughs> thank you.